Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. It's gonna be a football game tonight now. No doubt. It's gonna be a football game here. Okay. I, I been here All right, let's go, baby. Toss to White. He's in. Patriots win the Super Bowl. Brady has his fifth. What a comeback! Watson, touchdown! Hunter Renfro, little man makes another enormous play. One second remaining. Ladies and gentlemen, football to the max. Your host, Sean Garmer, Gary Vaughn, and Randy Isbell. Hello and welcome to another Football to the Max. Of course, this is the Friday on-demand edition, and I'm your host, Sean Garmer, and with me as now the permanent man, Mr. Eric Watkins. How are you? Woohoo! Doing pretty well, eh? settling into things. I, I, I'm and still not buying all of the memes that this is the last month without football but then again that's just me (laughs) and joining us on the thursday edition mr gary vaughn that is up everyone so you know uh randy and gary will be alternating until we unless uh there's a week where they can both be on probably like the season preview edition or something like that we'll probably try to make sure both of them are on so everybody can give their picks and all that stuff, but, uh, yeah, so, you know, just to, if you listened last week, or not last week, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of many different things at this point. I've done, like, <laughs> three podcasts in a row, so. You're not am, the uh, only one. I'm uh, getting things mixed up, but if you listened on the uh, Tuesday morning edition, we started our summer series with the big questions for each team. On this one, we're doing the Buffalo Bills and Miami Dolphins, which helps greatly because uh, Eric follows the Dolphins uh, pretty closely. So 
uh, you know, he'll have us, he'll give us the lowdown on that, and lots of questions for the Bills as well. We also got uh, a certain Dallas Cowboy getting in trouble, <laughs> and DeAnzo Williams and Gary Barnett spent some time in a wrestling arena. Now they're trying to get jobs with teams. Uh, for the 2017 NFL season, we'll try to see what team might actually use their services the best at this point. So, uh, Gary, how does it feel to be talking football again? Yeah, it feels good, man. You know, it, it seems like a long while, but, you know, it's getting closer, right? We're getting closer to training camp, so you start getting that fire in your gut, ready for some NFL action, and I'm happy. I'm really excited about talking about, you know, especially the two teams we're talking about tonight. So, yeah, it's a thrill, and I'm ready to get back into the groove. Yeah, not too long. We'll be talking about preseason games, and fantasy football will still be, or will start becoming a, a big thing again, and then it'll just be all about the hype till September, and when the games matter. Oh, can't wait. Cannot wait at all. Uh, when a big news item is the presenters being announced for the Hall of Fame class, you know you're in the doldrums of July. Yeah. Uh, which we're not going to talk about on here because it's kind of pointless. But, I was uh, about to say, that's still a major thing. <laughs> yes, it, it was a, a news item that I had to go through. And most of them are somebody's dad or somebody's former coach like Jason Taylor, you know, Jimmy Johnson is going to present him or uh, Jerry Jones's wife. So, you know, it's like, all right, I cared about that for like 10 seconds. We can move on. So the, of course, what's pretty customary for this time of year is somebody getting suspended or somebody getting in trouble And, you know, on the Tuesday edition, we talked about the David Irving suspension becoming a reality. Now we're going to talk about another Cowboy doing something dumb. (laughs) And this time it's Cowboys linebacker Damian Wilson, who got arrested on Tuesday night on two counts of felony aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. This is not a joke, especially in Texas, where everything is a bigger deal uh, legality-wise. Uh, apparently he was coming, this is during the Freedom Fest event that was held in Frisco, uh, in the Toyota Stadium parking lot where the FC Dallas plays. Uh, he backed his truck into a woman while parking at the stadium. First of all, are you that (laughs) blind that you are not seeing that you are running into a woman? I don't, then he decided he has a rifle in his car for some reason. And he starts showing the rifle off to a man. The man is now in fear of his life. Of course, this is a 24-year-old. You do a lot of stupid stuff at 24. I don't know that I would ever think about backing my car into a woman at 24. But apparently for Damian Wilson, this is a thing. Uh, He had a $20,000 bond, which for him, that's nothing. And, yeah. Uh, Gary... Why? Well, when you get players out of Michigan, things happen. So there you go. Uh, Okay, so enough knocking on Michigan. I'm just kidding. Uh, But, you know, really the honest truth about this is this guy is not far from being used to screw himself out of the season. I'll say it that way. Uh, Coming into training camp last year, 
this same guy had some kind of paintball accident where he was shot in the eye with a paintball. But I don't know. That's funny. You're supposed to wear goggles. I guess he didn't. Uh, put him out for most of training camp last year and into the season. So maybe this guy just wants to take training camp off, likes that. And they said, you know what? I'm going to take some games off in this season as well. Let's go ahead and do something stupid. I don't, I don't understand it. Um, I'm not going to try to play devil's advocate too much. I think he's at fault for a lot of this. But I will say... You know, there was a situation, the other flip side of this coin was that this crowd was, you know, taking up a lot of spaces in the parking lot area. They were not supposed to take as much space as they were, you know, allotted. They were, you know. So anyway, he basically backed his way up. He, He saw the lady clearly, hoping she would move. I guarantee you she said, I'm not moving. Car versus woman, truck versus woman. Doesn't work out in her favor, really. So she should have had a brain to move. She didn't. Um, so now he gets to pay a little bit more of a price because of that. Stupid decision with a gun thing, though. That's that's dumb. In Texas, you get a lot more leeway with the gun stuff. And, and I don't know if that's going to be this big of an issue. But the truck versus woman thing, that's the problem. I mean, this is not like when you're leaving a stadium after a game and people are just everywhere and there's like sometimes it's just unavoidable. This is a, look, I need to get out of here. This lady's not moving. Well, I'm going to, you know, try to do something. And, you know, don't know if she just didn't see the car or or she just, like you said, just decided to, I'm not moving out of here. You're going to have to stop. And he just didn't, so... Uh, either way, look, you're the one in the car. If that person decides not to move, it, it's kind of that situation of when you hit somebody in the back, even if they decide to just stop when they know they could have kept going, guess who gets in trouble? You yeah. know, it, it, it's well, Here's the thing that bothers me about this whole thing. I, I never once read in, in, in the article I, I saw on this. I never once saw in the local news because I live in the Dallas area. Anything about this lady being in critical condition. I never read anything about her having a broken arm. I never read anywhere that she had a bruise, a scratch, anything. But the wording in the newspaper sounds terrible. Uh It sounds like she was run over. So I think in a court of law, they're going to maybe say, well, you know, you pushed her out of the way. You shouldn't have done that. The legality is is that, you know, maybe blah, blah, blah. You know, I I don't think any jail time, any prison time is actually going to be taking place. I think they're going to plea this thing out. And the NFL is probably going to say, you have a star on your helmet. You get three years suspension. I could see that happening before I saw the court of law sending this guy to prison. Uh, yeah, I don't think the court of law is going to send her to prison, even if she complains about get, being hurt later, which, you know, we see this happen all the time with car accidents. The, it'll just be a civil thing. He'll pay some money and, you know, I I could see the NFL giving him like a, you know, a couple games suspension or something like that. I, I don't know. Where, how far do you think this is going to go, Eric, as a non-Cowboy fan here? Well, first of all, can I say that the more I hear about this, the more it sounds like a country song? <laughs> I ran my truck to a woman, got out and showed off my gun. But anyways, that being said, ah, yeah, I can see with Goodell and the whole disciplinary committee stance, they're wanting to kind of go back to the whole, we've got to show a hard line on these things. So with how ugly this could potentially be in the court of a public opinion, 
Not even so much as Gary said in the court of law because, hey, this is Dallas. Big trucks and guns are kind of commonplace. Maybe I'm wrong. But with this, I can see a couple of games just as saying, hey, you're 24. Yes, you kind of are in that mentally stupid phase in life, but you're representing the shield now. We can't allow this. But anything beyond that, I don't see anything. Yeah, lighter wallet. Yes, fewer games you'll play. But other than that, down the road, this is going to blow over. It shouldn't, but this is going to hopefully serve as another wake-up call for him. I doubt it. Yeah, this seems like more of an attitude issue with him. I, I really feel like he thinks he's above probably the law. Uh, above other people, and hopefully this is a wake-up call for him. He, he's just kind of been a uh, – he's been a great player, uh, but sometimes when you get great players come a lot of that ego, and that gets him into trouble. We've seen that time in and time out. So it's just a shame. I mean, he's he's a great player, and he's a, you know 24. He's still so young, but just mm-hmm. making bad decisions. Yeah, I think it's just a situation, too, where sometimes you react – and you don't react the best in heated situations, and you know hopefully the league takes that into account too. That when we're in an argument with somebody, we don't always make the right decision. You know sometimes you lash out or you say something you don't need to be saying, and it gets you in trouble more than if you would have been calm and dealt with the situation accordingly. You know, uh, so the, the Boondocks had an episode of moments like this. I highly suggest people go and look it up. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> all right, so out of uh, somebody being in trouble news, we have an interesting situation with, uh, of course, Gary Barnage didn't wrestle like D'Angelo Williams did, but he's been on Impact a few times. Uh, of course, this being the Impact Wrestling uh, show on Path TV. And uh, D'Angelo Williams did wrestle. He... Almost went through the table, but the table didn't break. Uh, they're making a much bigger deal out of it in the uh, football media than it really was. Anybody that watches wrestling knows that he probably knocked the wind out of himself, and that's probably it. Uh, he did not almost break ribs and all this other stuff that they're making a big deal out of. Uh, so he wrestled one match and retired in the same day, and DeAndre Williams says he is ready to play. Gary Barnes says that the Ravens have not called him back. I don't know why the Ravens need to add another tight end to their ridiculous amount of tight ends they already have. So where do you think would be a good spot for both these guys? Who needs a tight end where we saw Gary Barnes be very productive? Um, perhaps, you know, uh, maybe uh, a former QB of his. That uh, had a great rapport with him. You know, I've, I've heard the Jets aren't big on tight ends. If we listen to what Randy talked about last week. Uh, they tend to, they did draft a guy uh, that, that could have turned into somebody. Uh, you think there, Gary, with a former quarterback? Or, or you think uh, there's a better spot for him out there? The Jets is not a bad option, and uh, maybe the Jets aren't really as interested as maybe they should be. 
Um, but that's a great place to, to really look into. Um, I think there's a, you know, a myriad of places. Heck, I mean, we're going to talk about one of the teams tonight in the New York area, Buffalo. I mean, I think they could add a guy like that to really balance out some of their offense and really add a pass catcher to a team that has a, really a problem with pass catchers because they just don't have great ones right there in store for them this year so far. Um, I mean, I, I think there's a plenty of places. I mean, I, I'd love to see him go to even like a team like Arizona where there's a solid veteran quarterback in place who could use that extra guy who could definitely be a big star on a team that's, you know, on the cusp of doing something great, you know? So that's a couple teams. I think that, you know, you could add to this list. I think Gary Barnage, from what we saw, everything that he gave for his short term with Cleveland, I think that he's a guy that really could add some depth to most any roster, you know, except for teams like maybe, like you said, uh, like a New England or teams that already have some tight ends in place. And, and so I think that, you know, all around he's a great guy, though. Yeah, uh, I think, you know, you go through here, and you say, who doesn't really have this uh, marquee tight end? Um, you know, uh, maybe a, a team that you very much uh, enjoy there. Eric, what do you think? I mean, I was just about to say, I kind of agree. And I'm going to sound a little bit of a homer about this, but... If you kind of look at the rationale, you can kind of agree. With Blake Bortles, how they're trying to get him to develop <clears throat> with the great wide receivers we have, we just let a very good, very tap- capable tight end in Julius Thomas go. With our offense and our kind of schemes, I think Gary Vardage could fit just fine right down here in Jackson. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, as Gary described, as a good extra target, a little bit better of a safety net for a guy who's really on the hot seat a little bit. So I wouldn't really object to that if he came down here. Now, granted, Buffalo, yes, that's another good place. The Jets, I think their offense and their offensive mindset is a little bit too conservative to want to accept him. So, I mean, good weather, beaches, no state tax, hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Hmm. Either one of the Florida teams might benefit from having him over there. Mm, True. I mean, if you think about it, 
Because Miami has Julius Thomas that they made a big play for. Yeah, I was about to say, Jacksonville let him go to Miami, and I think with a capable guy like that with the in the hands of Ryan Tannehill, yeah, they wouldn't necessarily need him unless as a backup, but then again, look at how Miami's treated tight ends. I mean, let's not forget Charles Clay, but that's a whole other argument. I would want to see how Thomas is down there first before I say Barnes to come on down, but yeah, have him make a pit stop up here first. Yeah, it's, uh, what about D'Angelo Williams? Uh, we obviously saw that when Le'Veon Bell wasn't around, he had one hell of a year. He didn't have, you know, with Le'Veon Bell back, obviously his numbers went down. He has uh, quite a bit to give still at his age. I mean, he's he's obviously past the... Uh, the 32 marker that I think, and now it's even less than the 30 is to where, you know, oh my God, I'm I'm using this guy as an every down back, but he can still catch balls out of the backfield. I mean, shouldn't uh, shouldn't more teams be looking Danza Williams' way right now? I would definitely say so. I'm a big D'Angelo. Supporter, I really am. I've been for a long time, and people always kind of laughed at me. I remember last year we were talking, and Randy would always say, "Well, you know, Le'Veon Bell," but I'm like, D'Angelo did great. I mean, he's been giving that you know Pittsburgh team all he's got, and just really helping them get through those games where you know Le'Veon Bell would either be suspended or whatever or injured. And I look at the other teams in the league this year, and I said, "Yes, he's a year older, and yes, maybe his legs aren't as young as they used to be." But he can give you some help, even if he's not the star running back. I mean, I think that's still fine. You don't have to be the star running back. He can give your team a help. I, I would even love to see him go back to where he came from and, and the, the you know the Patri- uh, Panthers. I think the Panthers, you know, they you know are in a situation where they got some running backs. I mean, heck, they even drafted one of the you know young running backs this year that really, I mean, is not going to be a pure running back. He's more of a pass catcher. So you could always use the guy that's going to help you more on the ground. And I think going back to Carolina would be a great option for him. I think there's a myriad of places that we could sit here and talk about where a D'Angelo Williams service could definitely boost and really help. I mean, I, I look at a team like Denver who, yes, they have some running backs that, you know, you could say in their rotation are going to do fine this year, but add D'Angelo Williams to that and, and your rotation gets even better. Look at New England, the way that they've used their veteran running backs and just bringing in guys. Hey, New England, you know, there's another guy just ready and available. I mean, he would give them a boost too. So I'm a big D'Angelo Williams fan. So I, I would see him in any situation as good. And I mean, For one team that I did see some rumors about that I think with how their scheme is, Seattle? I mean, yes, Marshawn Lynch is gone, now back with the Raiders, but still a little bit smaller than Lynch, but very easily catch passes out of the backfield, can blend into a read option. I think he would be a almost dream fit up in Seattle like he would in Carolina. Instead of having to all of a sudden make minor tweaks to your offense to fit him in, you really wouldn't have to tweak anything. Imagine giving Russell Wilson that much extra time and that much extra power out of the backfield. Hey, they won titles and have come close with a guy like that before. Just say they can't again. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that's a great uh, addition. I think, you know, also you look at a team like New York who struggled in getting running backs. They really have. You, the Giants I'm talking about here. And, uh, you know, Giants fans for a long time have tried to rely on some of the running backs that they brought to them. But, you know, like Andre Williams and other guys like that, they've just not succeeded. They've not been able to be those key guys that they've needed. And I think, you know, D'Angelo Williams, maybe, like I said, not maybe the premier guy, but hey, I mean, he's going to give you a lot more than some of those other guys that you've been putting into place. And I mean, I think Seattle's a great uh, look at that, too. So, I mean, like I said, there's so many teams. Well, uh, speaking of running backs, uh, to end the uh, news portion here, David Johnson says that it's on him now to uh, make sure that the Cardinals are in the playoffs and doing things and helping Carson Palmer and Larry Fitzgerald be able to do something in what Nanny presume is their last years on the field here. I mean, David Johnson already did a ton last year. How much more can he really do? Isn't isn't there something got to be on Carson Palmer and the rest of this offense here? Yes. I mean... Psychologically, look at what Palmer has been through. He said even going back to his injury in the playoffs with Cincinnati, it took him months to get his mind right because he kept imagining everybody falling on his knees. Then has a great stint at the beginning for Arizona, then winds up getting hurt yet again. Yes, he bounces back, but it gets to a point to where you've been hurt, now you're older, You've really got to change your style. So it's on him, maybe something with his mechanics, getting the ball out, not relying too much on Larry Fitzgerald. So that way, David Johnson doesn't feel like it's all on him because it isn't. Palmer, I would look in the mirror a little bit more these coming weeks. Yeah, I mean, I get it. You know, David Johnson has been a big part of that team. He's given him so much because of the fact that his dynamic skills have offered them a way to get out of situations that they may have been stuck in without him, where they'd have to be pass-happy and really put it all on Palmer himself. And I, I think that it's, you know, an understandable thought process for him coming into this. Um, but, you know, I think he's also going to give credit to some of the other guys around. And I get it. Yes, he feels like it's on his shoulders, but he has to make sure he doesn't put too much pressure on himself because once you do that, you take something away from your game. So I hope he goes into the season confident, but not feeling like it's all about him. Because I still think the Arizona Cardinals are a good team. I don't think that he needs to go into this season thinking, oh, man, just from this year to last year, all of a sudden we became one of the bottom three teams. That's not the case. Go into this thing feeling strong, thinking you're a big part of it, but don't think that you're the only reason that team wins. No, yeah, don't put so much pressure on yourself. That I, God, it's people were talking about Ezekiel Elliott was getting way too much, you know, pub last year uh, when David Johnson was putting equally up just as great numbers than he was. Uh, so it's just like, wow, what? Okay, you're gonna break the 2,000 yard mark. I mean, even if you do that, doesn't mean that you know the Cardinals win two or three more games and are are going Super Bowl. So. I just uh, I understand wanting to put a lot of pressure because you're younger. But, uh, you know, just like we saw with Tony Parker this year, just because the old guys 
you know, we're taking a step out, uh, doesn't necessarily mean that without them uh, pulling their fair share, the team's going to, you know, do great. So uh, that's uh, going to do it for us talking about news. There's not a whole lot. This is the doldrums right now, as we talked about, until we get towards where training camp starts, where you get a lot more stuff going on. I mean, when you're talking about so-and-so, so-and-so has this great year and that great year, and, like, look, they're not even playing real football, and they're having great off-seasons. Come on now. Shut up. So we're uh, going to talk about the uh, Buffalo Bills first here. Wait uh, and talk about the one of Eric's teams second. So how did the team get better this season in your eyes, Buffalo can I start by fixing what's going on in their coaching situation? Because, let's be real, that was mess number one. Bringing in Sean McDermott, bringing in Leslie Frazier, that was your top move. Now you've got a little bit more stability, a little bit more, in my opinion, competence. Yeah, this doesn't mean all of a sudden you're going to be a threat in your division, but it's step one. Gary, what do you think? You know, I look at the Buffalo Bills and seeing how they got better, I think really it had to do a little bit working with their draft, and I think some of the the draft was uh, successful. Some of it wasn't so successful. I wouldn't say it was one of the greatest, but you know, I, I like the number one pick, you know, in uh, Travis White, and I think that I, I think that he's a guy that's going to hopefully help boost that secondary because we've seen those Buffalo Bills and the fact that really they were let down a lot by their secondary last year and, and a lot of other spots too, but their front was not as bad. This year, it's going to be more of an uphill battle for the overall defense, and I think a guy like that hopefully can give them some confidence coming in being young, and I think that that's really where they try to focus. We saw some other positions we'll talk about in a minute here where they try to get better. The question is, did they really get better? Um, But at least in the draft, they were trying to make a point happen, and they kind of did it. Uh, I think they got better by having Tyrod Taylor feel like he's more secure in his position. Right, I think obviously all the talk last season was, oh, it's, is he going to be there next year? Uh, do do certain people, you know, especially the guy that just got uh, fired from that spot, Doug Whaley, liked EJ Manuel better? I mean, the thought that that was even creeping in someone's mind is just stupid. But you know, some people, you can't help them at all. I don't know how. Some of these guys become GMs, but uh, and I think you know we had they had injuries on the defensive line that you would hope like uh, Shaq Lawson is now healthy and ready to help that team uh, get better defensively. I think uh, that also helps them. Just draftees from last year didn't uh, get a lot of playing time. Now get that, and I think Tyrod Taylor feeling like okay, I don't have to sit there and just go crazy trying to prove myself. I know where I'm at. Yes, that can lead to complacency, but uh, not to mention you hope that Sammy Watkins also around for the start of the season, which, you know, he got hurt really early on and it took forever for him to come back. So uh, how did they get worse, um, in your opinion? 
it, it seems to me for all the effort that they did shoring up their defense, maybe I missed something, but aside from Sammy Watkins, great. Secure Tyrod Taylor, giving him that contract, but what else are you kind of giving him to work with? I mean, long story short, you're going to want to develop him into being a pocket passer and less of an athlete, but how are you going to do that with very limited targets as far as getting him someone to throw to? I mean, right now... Uh, outside of Sammy Watkins, you got the rookie Zay Jones that everybody's making a big deal about. Charles Clay, and then a bunch of young guys. Uh, Andre Holmes is there too, who did well in in Oakland. Uh, but that's also Derek Carr throwing to him in a system that was kind of meant for him to be that really good third or fourth guy. You, you've got a lot of really young guys that. I don't think you're you're looking at names that people really know, you know, a Desmond Lewis, a uh, 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 Jeremy Butler. I mean, who's you know Philly Brown? He did he did good in uh, Carolina. He, yeah, he did okay, but I mean, is he at the point to where you're if you're really putting the depth chart? Are you confident that he would be a number two receiver in this offense? Uh, Brandon Tate might. No. Well, okay, so that solidifies things. You're talking now putting him at a number three. It's just, they could have done something to fix this to not rely on all these young guys. I think that could hurt. What do you think, uh, Gary? How'd they get worse? Well, you know, I really don't feel like that they really focused a lot on making sure that they had their, you know, running back situation figured out either. We're talking about, you know, receiving core, but I don't really feel like that they got so much better that, they, you know, they're going to be unstoppable. And I think that was a problem. I think that they really should have looked at, you know, really shoring up that situation. I think Carlos Williams and the situation he had and getting suspended and all that, really took a hit because I think they were looking at him as being a guy that could really help them in the future and, and do some things that they really needed. LaShawn McCoy, great, awesome. But, you know, he's not exactly spring chicken, not a guy that stays healthy, not a guy that's going to keep you going all the year around because of the fact that, man, I mean, he's, like I said, durable, wonderful, but he's only one guy. And we know in this league you can't just depend on one guy anymore. It's really become a, a situation where most of these guys have to have durable backups that can help them move them along. Once again, we'll go back to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Why was D'Angelo Williams so important to Le'Veon Bell? Because, well, guess what? When he had to get out of the game, there was somebody just as good or close to good as him. To be fair, when D'Angelo Williams was leaving Carolina, many thought that all right, he's kind of gotten past that time. He's getting to that age where he's not going to be so relevant. And then absolutely he, you know, dropped everybody's – he uh, he floored everyone with how he performed. I think uh, Jonathan Williams has that possibility, not having really played last – not having played last year, coming in essentially this being his rookie season. Uh, if he stays healthy in training camp, he could – be that guy that we saw at Arkansas and really 
knock everybody's socks off there. I think uh, Mike Tolbert can also provide a good, you know, uh, I wouldn't say a one-two punch. It's a good kind of guy you can put in if, say, you need him for a game or so if uh, McCoy gets hurt. But, yeah, it's not anything like Carlos Williams where you went, all right, I'm not so worried if McCoy doesn't play because Carlos Williams has got my back here. Mm-hmm. But you don't even have a, a Gillisley either like you had last year. Exactly. Thank you. And that's the thing. I mean, and it's not about anything to knock these guys that are backing up, you know, LaShawn McCoy now. It's just for the fact that I don't really feel right now as we sit here game one, those guys are – going to be right there to help McCoy if he tweaks his knee in game one. They'll be there. They'll be ready, but it's just not going to be that same level. And that's going to hurt the overall offense because, once again, we just pointed out, the receiving core is not going to save the day. Tyrod Taylor can only do so much running around, and if the running backs aren't ready to pick up the game, that offense is going to be so inept, we will just kind of stare at it while it just does nothing. So uh, what are you excited to see uh, in training camp from the Bills? Uh, is it some of these uh, defensive linemen get better? Is it that running back position? Does somebody come out and show themselves as being that number two? Is it the receiver position? Uh, or is it a certain player? Like uh, who? What, what excites you about training camp preseason for the Bills? How's Tyrod going to do with this big contract? Is he still going to have all of these big T-Mobile style ways? Or is he, since he knows he's in the best position to be the franchise guy, is he going to develop, as I said earlier, into being a pocket guy? And maybe help work with these young receivers, get them into the flow of an NFL offense. Now granted... This could be another bland, vanilla, 17-9 to every week type of season, but I want to see them go beyond that, even if they do only wind up winning six or seven games. <laughs> Somebody that has T-Mobile, I totally get what you're talking about. <laughs> 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 like, they changed their stupid, what they're offering, like, every month, and it changes uh-huh. your bill, and it's uh-huh. so annoying. And I mean, if I'm Tyrod, I completely shed that nickname because I mean, it, it is really, really. It, it was cool when I started, but now they're doing this and I'm doing this. No, this has got to stop. <laughs> I, yeah, I do not want to uh, be associated with that at all. If I'm uh, Tyrod Taylor, anything in particular for you, Gary? You know, looking at this whole team, it's going to be really interesting, and I think you could talk about positions. I want to talk about a player. I really want to see what Zay Jones does. I really do. I want to. I want to see him come into this and see if he can prove that he's what they want him to be. And I'll definitely be circling him every time I'm watching the Buffalo Bills in preseason because I, I think that they have a lot of high hopes for him. He's a, a guy that basically has a lot of the intangibles but it's just that can that move over from the college game into the pros and i'm really curious to see if he can kind of help that offense as well and being a weapon that maybe they haven't had i mean we've all saw sammy Watkins and the guy he's supposed to be and the fact that i mean 
another guy can't stay healthy, can't be on the field all the time. Can he be a compliment or will he have to take the lead role? Will he be the guy that surprises everybody and runs away with it and makes Watkins think to himself, I need to be on the field. So I, I think that that's a big spot that I'm really looking forward to. I mean, Overall, when it comes to the, the the whole team, I mean, I really do want to see what happens with that defensive front. But when it comes to a certain player, Zay Jones is the guy. Uh, obviously, for me, I want to see what Jonathan Williams does being an Arkansas guy. I really want to see him flourish in the league just because it was so unfortunate what happened to him last season. I was really hyped for him to, especially knowing that Alex Collins wasn't really going to see a lot of time in Seattle with all that, with the committee that they have there. I thought John Williams had a chance to break out knowing LaShawn McCoy gets injured and especially what happened with Carlos Williams. Uh, so, you know, now when he has that spotlight where he's probably going to play a lot in preseason, I, I'm really wanting to see what he does. Uh, but I think overall, when you're looking at question marks for the team, it's a kind of – he has a track record a little bit, right, Sean McDermott? But what's he going to do with this team? How is this team going to play? They sort of had it figured out offensively last season. Are they going to do what Ty, what uh, Eric suggested with Tyler Taylor? Is he going to try to become more of a pocket guy? Or are they going to let him kind of do whatever he wants, like we've seen in the last couple of seasons where – you know, if he's not doing that, the team doesn't perform as well. What's a, what's a question mark for you for the Bills? Where you say, oh, man, I, I don't think that they, like, it, it goes, there's no way. What What's the biggest question mark that goes that, well, they're certainly not competing in this division? You know, I, I, for myself, I, I look at this, and I think to myself, it's definitely got to be on defense, right? And I look at their defensive line and the fact that, you know, they've tried to make some moves there and try to be definitely uh, in a situation where they're going to be hopefully better. Um, the linebacking core, I'm still a little bit worried for those guys. I mean, they've done, you know, what they can. Um, but I don't know. That's the one thing that I look at this. I think the secondary is a big one. I think, you know, the secondary may be the biggest question mark for me. I think the linebacking core, you know, they try to add Reggie Ragland to kind of help along. They've kind of done some other things to move around. But the, the secondary, it just it kind, of boggle, it kind of baffles me. I mean, I just don't know if they have enough in that secondary to really be as successful as they want to be, you know. Eric? I mean, kind of piggybacking off of that, but not so much the secondary. How are they going to establish and take the pressure off of that secondary with the front seven and getting pressure on opposing quarterbacks? I mean, if they're to the point to where quarterbacks, they have a clean pocket all day to throw, that's going to put even more pressure on a slightly better than bare bones offense. If Leslie Frazier can do something with that personnel, maybe put together a good scheme so that way they can at least get a little bit more time, force other teams to think, that'll take the pressure off and let Tyrod Taylor do a little bit of something, but uh, I don't see it being there. 
I mean, I they they have the talent on the line. Yeah, they they've, I, they've got the talent, but how how can they now put it together, especially with another defensive coordinator, and be able to learn and execute easier? Well, if there's anything that we saw with the Vikings when Leslie Flager was coaching, that defensive line uh, wasn't the problem, uh, especially having a guy in uh, one of the Williams. Uh, brothers to to play there for you. That mm-hmm. helps. That helps Shaq Lawson get better. Helps Adolphus Washington get better. For the most part, they're young there. The guys that have big reps. I you know we didn't get, really get to see much of Shaq Lawson's rep last season. Is he going to be able to do what he did at Clemson? Bring that in and be that guy that makes you fear coming off that that line, something that obviously Mario Williams stopped doing uh, after a while for them. So, you know, like we talked about, and, and having a, a, a Marcel Darius there and, and Ryan Davis, they've got the talent. It's getting them all together mm-hmm. and getting them to perform, right? Yeah. And, and that's why it, it's a question mark as well, is because of the fact of you've got those names. I mean, you just named off, I mean, some great talent. It's just that how will they gel together? How will they continue to do what they needed to do and getting better? That way they can rush that passer. And, and and the only reason I didn't choose the defensive line, I was kind of more comfortable to the linebackers and the pass uh, secondary, uh, is for the fact that I look at a lot of those names and I don't know them as well. They're not really superstars. And some of these guys, like Kyle Williams is not a, just a giant superstar, but he's a name you kind of know because he's a yeah. big hoss in that middle. And you know he's a guy that's going to stop the run. But, you know, to Eric's point here, are they actually going to do that? Are they going to run out of gas? That's the big question because of the fact that they're going to be dependent on. I don't really see this offense for the Buffalo Bills being the best in this division. I don't even know if it's the third best in well, this division. Well, when you got the Patriots, it's never going to be the best in the division. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah you're, you're right on that. I just I, – I, you got to give the benefit of the doubt, right? So, anyway, my point being is that they're uh, – they're in a situation right now where that defense is going to have to have lots of gas. And does that defensive line have the gas in the tank to last a majority of the game? Yeah, because that's the one thing. If you want to beat the Patriots, what do you got to do? Get in Tom Brady's face. If you're not getting there, you're getting them all time, kinds of time. Or get then... his legs. No. Or that. Yeah, or that. <laughs> I mean, again, I am not advocating any situation, especially with a crowbar, but as we've seen before during an NFL season and during a game, things happen, people get blocked in certain ways, people yeah. wind up down That's on true. the ground. Just saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we've talked about it already, but for me, the biggest question mark is the, the receivers. I think... Uh, Look, you've again, this is another case of you have some guys. You have Brandon Tate that's proven himself uh, with the Bengals. You know, can he adapt to having a Tyrod Taylor that's on the run? He's not like Andy Dalton that's more of a pocket guy. Uh, you know, uh, you don't have Robert Woods to bail you anymore. Is Zay Jones going to break out? Because a lot of people were talking about. You know, a guy in Minnesota, Laquan Treadwell, he's going to do great things, and he couldn't—he could barely even catch the ball that season. 
So just because you come out with a name out of college and, and people are talking about you, it doesn't mean that when you get to this level and you have a defensive back coming at you or a linebacker or, or whatever, that you're going to be able to face that situation head on and and perform, right? You know, you have a, another journeyman in a Rod Streeter who's done it before. Can he do it? Can Sammy Watkins stay healthy? Because mm-hmm. we haven't seen that yet either. You know, because when he's there, he's huge. He's a huge part of the what the Bills do. You know, they have a legit big three between McCoy, Watkins, and Tyrod Taylor. But can he stay healthy? That's that's a big deal. You know, and, and if he's not, then you're looking at Brandon Tate being your number one receiver and then everybody else to hear the being the collective and you're like, Well, Charles Clay, I hope you can still uh, bust out some big runs in, in the middle there to help at tight end because you also don't have any depth to tight end outside of Charles Clay. So, you know, that that's the situation with Tyrod Taylor. He might be Faced with still having to be that athlete because you don't have the base around him. So I think uh, that allows us to move on from the Buffalo Bills. Let's get to the Miami Dolphins here. Of course, uh, Eric knows them much closer. I have to, you know, I live in the in Miami here, so I have to hear a lot about the team as well. Uh, that last year, they were a sexy pick. To do something, they I think performed a lot better than people thought they would. Uh, but still, many question uh, lots of things uh, about the Dolphins uh, for right now. And uh, when we talk about questions, how did this team get better, Eric? The way that they drafted, especially along the defensive line, I've been hearing Donald Kong's. Rave about that pick. Unfortunately, the name escapes me at the moment. But a lot of this really because Sue put a good bit of the spotlight on himself, especially with his words and especially with everything he said about the Patriots within the last couple of days. Between all of this and the monster contracts and him being the defensive guy. It was on him to perform, and he really, being one of the only defensive guys, hasn't. Now that he's in line to get a little bit of help, he's due to kind of get back to his old ways performance-wise. Hopefully not antics-wise. But I love the fact that Miami was like, okay, we've got our offense just about settled. we made our big moves. This is what we have to do in the draft, pinpointing it almost perfectly. I think you're probably talking about Charles Harris. Yes. <laughs> Which is a guy the Cowboys could have got <laughs> had the Dolphins not taken him. But, hey, we got Taco, so that's all that matters. Right? We got He's already endorsing tacos. I mean, can't get any better than that with your name. See, how is it right, he's Gary? getting the endorsement yep. without any of the ideas, yet I put all the stuff. Because he just has the name that makes it easy. It's just, you know. Mm. Uh, how do you think uh, they got better, Gary? 
Well, you know, they've done a lot of things, you know, in the past to really work on getting their team in, in you know, a better situation. And I think one of those additions was Julius Thomas. I mean, we talked about that earlier. I think that that's a great addition. I think it really helps bolster that offense. Uh, definitely another weapon for a guy that I'm not a big fan of, Tannehill. Um, I think that's one. And, you know, I think that, you know, they're a team that really did work on the defense. That's a, a, another situation that I really have to give them credit for because they really try to make sure that they set themselves up right. I mean, you got to look at you know, like the, what's it, McMillan uh, they added into the draft. I mean, he's a linebacker that I think a lot of, and I think that that's going to be a great addition to them, helping out guys like Thomas and um, some of the other guys, like, uh, you know. So I think that there's a few things here, but I really look at the fact that they did really try in that draft. I mean, I didn't want to just take Eric's fire because that's what I was looking at. But <laughs> I'll say there's a couple of things, though, and I think that's one. Julius Thomas really thinks a big help in adding, you know, some great, you know, depth through, uh, you know, working on free agency and things like that. I think they helped their offensive line uh, much better than the problems they had last year where – you know, they finally uh, got rid of the the problem child, and the guys didn't want to be there. Now Larry Tunsil is there, and he can he can take that starring role. Uh, and and just by him having another year, I think he helps improve uh, that defensive line or that offensive line. I think uh, helps Jawan James uh, get better. I think that the you know the guard play is going to be better just from. When you've got that that dominant guy there, he makes everybody on that line uh, better. And you get rid of a a Brandon Albert that obviously he's been wanting to get out for like two seasons now. He's gone. Let them uh, do what they're going to do. But for me, the way that they got weaker is they didn't really address their situation with the defensive backfield, which is been there you know they, they had that resolved kind of like a couple of years ago they let uh bryce mccain go uh they sort of try to replace him with uh with maxwell i don't know that that's a like for like there but they've always sort of had that issue in the secondary and i don't think that they really addressed that too much that's really about the one area of the field that they didn't address. And, I mean, I guess they're kind of gambling on, similar to Buffalo, that front seven doing a lot of the heavy lifting. But yeah, I even, they uh, also had Lawrence Timmons that we didn't even mention. That's going to be a huge veteran presence for them, too. Yeah, and that's all well and good. But when you're not getting to the quarterback or – forcing turnovers closer at the line, you're going to want to intercept passes. And with the secondary, I really don't know if that's there. So maybe there's another hidden move or something that we don't know about just yet. Maybe things get tweaked in preseason, but if you're looking for any sort of weakness, that would be the one. I know, but when you're looking at that front seven that we're talking about here, Mm-hmm. They should be getting to the quarterback with not much issue. Right, and that's you know. why I say maybe they're doing that and that gamble. Of that's why they didn't address to the backfield. But 
again, it's always better, especially if you're going up against the Patriots twice, to have a completest defense as possible to make anything potentially happen. Granted, it usually doesn't, but the opportunity is there. Yeah. You see, you see anything different, Gary? Or no, you guys are pretty much on it, and I think really, I mean, the Dolphins, like I said before, they really worked on getting better this year. I mean, through the draft, through free agency, you're looking at all the weaknesses they had. They really worked on just getting better. If I'm going to nitpick, if I'm going to sit here and just really have to find something other than what you just mentioned, Sean, which was that defensive backfield, which honestly I look at it too and I say, man, they need some names. <laughs> they need somebody on that, you know, that defensive backfield that can yeah, really. Yeah, young guys are going to have to step up, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And, you know, a team like the, you know, the Dallas Cowboys are dealing with that same thing. They've got a lot of young guys in that position. If they can step up, great. If they can't, ooh, you're in trouble. And I look at the the fact that this receiving core is pretty solid. I mean, if those guys like Landry Jones and uh, just really step up and they keep their game going and keep going strong, I think they're going to be fine. I think, though, that, you know, they were so happy about signing Julius Thomas. Awesome. That is super cool. Because well, yeah, Jordan Cameron was just dropping balls all over the place last year. I know. So, yeah, so here's yeah. the thing, though. Here's the only issue, and this is what I'm going to talk about, and that's the fact that getting a guy like that is wonderful. But they really should have helped add themselves another guy or, or try to draft one that could really give them. Because this year's draft was really heavy with tight ends. They had tons of guys that really honestly step in, do great. Fasano is their backup. Fasano has never really done anything for them, never really been a He's guy. He's touchdowns. Well, yeah, here and there. Not just the not the focal point, right. and I think that that's a, a point that I would look and say, man, I really wish they would have added that because if they would have added themselves a, a secondary guy for that tight end position, they'd be safe as no get out, and I would be really terrified because Thomas doesn't stay healthy. He's a guy that is amazing when he's there, but when he's not, I, I worry a little bit because now that's one less thing that that offense will throw out there. Other than that, that's just nitpicking. I, I think that they've done pretty well, man. I, I, I if I was going to be a jerk, I'd say their quarterback position for sure. <laughs> I think Tannehill with Gase has proven that he's he's pretty good. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it, I, it, it took Gase it coming there, but you know, it is what it is. Sometimes you got to find that perfect pairing. Well, Eric doesn't know the running thing with me on this show, and that's oh, the well, fact. Gary had something against Texas A&M, so, well, which no, mostly no. he's right it's uh, about with quarterbacks. quarterbacks. It's about right. their quarterbacks. It's nothing to do with really the school itself. They presented some great That's what I was about to say. It was about the Texas A&M quarterbacks don't do very well and <laughs> when you think about it. Given NFL history, I can't fault Gary in – that actually segues into what I'm looking for for this season because really had things not gone wrong and had Tannehill been able to stay in that playoff game against the Steelers, I would have given us a great chance to win. But, again, one of those things to where that didn't happen and lo and behold, Matt Moore, and don't even get me started. But aside from, yes, the great lineage that is Texas and A&M quarterbacks, the fact that he's finally shedding the fact that he spent those first two years at A&M as a receiver, I want to see. Gase brought him to a certain level. 
can he keep him at this level with these weapons this season? Because, I mean, with Thomas, with Jarvis Landry, you've got quite a bit going for you. It's up to you to get them the ball. Yeah, and I think for me what I'm excited about is this finally the year for Devontae Parker. Because I feel like we've been talking about Devontae Parker is that diamond in the rough that no one's talking about on that offense. Everybody talks about Jarvis Landry and then Ajayi, you know, blew up last year. But Devontae Parker's really the guy. And, oh, they paid Kenny Stills, but no one's still talking about him. Well, okay, this is the time for you to put up or shut up, Mr. Parker. You got to... You got to play big. You got to be that big deep threat that you, they need you to be. Um, you know, you already have Kenny Stills there to do that as well. But just you need a uh, you need two threat, two threats. Because right now Jarvis Landry's he wants his money, but you're essentially paying a slot receiver, Big Bunny. Oh, and, slot receiver that caught to what two hundred and eighty eight. Balls over the last three seasons. I agree, but that's what they're going to look at. You know, I'm just saying. Uh, and then you know you bring in a Levante Carew that I think is is going to also be interesting to see how he uh, gets on in this as well. So, um, you know, like uh, Gary said, if their tight ends were a bit more uh, reliable. You'd really say this is a packed offense, but just with the receivers, that's a lot for, you know, anybody that's going to play them, you know, even the Patriots, you're looking at having to defend three or four dependable, even five dependable uh, receivers to get out there. And uh, that's that's a formidable situation if you're, uh, you're Miami. Yeah, and, you know, and I probably should have, you know, instead of picking on the tight ends, I should have talked about the quarterback situation because I've been a Matt Moore apologist for a long time. I, I just have. I, I've always kind of enjoyed watching him, and I didn't even put into play the fact that he just was terrible in that playoff game, just did nothing. Uh-huh. And that's something that I really should have put into play into this whole thought process. So looking back at it now, I probably would have chose that backup quarterback situation. But, I mean, I, I think overall um, – they're hoping that Tannehill stays together and does what they want him to do. So, yeah, that's nitpicking, like I said. He did okay during the season. I think that was more of a situation of the Steelers that already played the Dolphins before. Mm-hmm. And they knew everywhere what to do, especially the way the Dolphins beat them the first time. Yeah, And there's a reason Matt, Matt Moore is a backup. There's a reason he is not starting in this league. And I think right. you know that's why teams can figure him out so easily. So. It's, it's just the way it is. Um, so. so do you think that that's the biggest question mark for the team then? Is is it still about Tannehill here, or are we now shifted to something else? Yeah, for me, it always it, it will stick with that. That will be always my question mark. Will Tannehill do what he's advertised to do? That's been my thing. And I want him to prove me wrong. I want him to say, look, I'm from Texas A&M, and I can play NFL-type quarterback in this league. And let's see it. Let's see it happen. He's done okay. He's done some things. People wanted him on their fantasy team last year for a reason. But I want to see him have some W's coming along with some of those stats. Especially after getting that big money. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm, ka-ching, ka-ching. But going from someone who just got big money to someone who came here thanks to big money, I'm also in a bit of a little put-up-or-shut-up mode with Donald Kong suit. You drafted Helping Harris, you're in a position now to where you're expected to do something along that defensive line, get out there and do it. He is bringing like four guys to him, but I think Cameron Wake staying healthy is also important. Yeah, and I mean, that's why I can't entirely fault him, for lack of that, because he is, you know, double team, triple team, I get it, but that's when you didn't have consistent help. Now, let's hope you do have consistent help. What are you going to do? If you have that consistent help and then still do nothing, then what is the point? What is your usefulness? I mean, I think y'all both bring up good points with Tannehill's, I think, is always going to be a question mark until the Dolphins finally get over that hump in the and perform well in the season to where it's not a question about if they make the playoffs, about when. And, you know, Dominican Sue faces a lot of questions every time. You know, every time he sits on the field, or people are saying he's not doing enough or whatever. I think, again, the only way that you're providing even better chances for that defensive front to do well is the defensive backs that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. This is an issue situation for them. They decided they they decided to kind of not focus on that so much and go more towards the front seven with a quarterback like a Tom Brady, who you know is going to get time, or they're going to throw the ball f- so fast that it doesn't matter. If they can pick apart your defensive backfield. You can spend all the money you want and all the draft picks you want on that front seven. It means absolutely nothing. So, and isn't that kind of the point? If you're in the AFC East, you're trying to draft and build to beat the Patriots team. Obviously, you know, like Randy joked, it's also true. You're waiting around hoping that this is the year that Tom Brady just recedes. But let's let's be honest here. At that point, you know, the Dolphins are obviously, when you look at the other two teams in this division, they're they're obviously primed to be the team that could give the, the Patriots the best run for their money. You know, considering that, you know, Tyrod Taylor dances so much that that gives that front seven a heck of a lot of time to go and get him. Uh, but, you know, the Bills ha- actually have a pretty decent offensive line. And then the Jets, you don't even know who the hell they're going to put out there at quarterback. So you already got a win there. So it's just, it, you know, can this defensive backfield hold up enough and give that front seven enough confidence to know that if they can't get there, it's not going to be touchdown city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Well, you know, I know you give a big sigh, but you, we still got to wait. No, I- I know, but in one of these, I'm counting down to and flashing back to maybe that miracle season, but then I realized Chad Pennington was our quarterback that year. So never mind. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right, so that's going to do it for us uh, for the week. We'll be back on Tuesday morning with starting another division as we'll be doing the AFC West next week. And, man, that's going to be difficult. You got some – all four of the teams are formidable uh, in that division. So, uh, you know, lots of things happening. We talked about a certain quarterback in that division getting their extension last week, on uh, the last show. So – how can uh, the Raiders translate that into, you know, what are the Broncos doing, the Chiefs and even the Chargers uh, to get better or worse? So we'll we'll cover all that uh, next week. Uh, you know, if you, you enjoyed what you heard here, you can, of course, subscribe to us, Football to the Max, anywhere. Uh, there are podcasts, Google Play, YouTube. We're on there. Just search WTM Network. On YouTube, you can get all of our podcasts. You can search W2 Network on anywhere. You can get all of our podcasts. You can get this podcast, the wrestling podcast, the soccer podcast that uh, I do with with Eric, you know, uh, and, and Miss Rachel McCrigger as well. And, uh, you know, you can get everything that we offer and even written content on W2Net.com. So make sure that you're going over there right now. We're going to have uh, – uh, group A is almost all done. We'll have Group B probably tomorrow, uh, which features the United States. Uh, previews for the Gold Cup, which starts tomorrow as well. Uh, group A action, so or later today, I guess, when you're listening to this. But for sure, uh, get ready more wrestling stuff. The G1 is coming up. We'll have a roundtable for that. Uh, Great Balls of Fire. Yes, that's the name of Hey Review, not just a song. And uh, I'm surprised... Gracious. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, until we uh, see you again, folks. AFC West next week. Come ready, come prepared. Later, everybody. Peace. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.